Volume Two, Chapter Seven of Celestina. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. Celestina by Charlotte Turner Smith, Volume Two, Chapter Seven. The preparations for a splendid dinner succeeded admirably, and Mrs. Thorold was in high good humour when her guests arrived. Arabella was still better pleased, for Bettinson, immediately on his entrance, had protested that she never looked so well in her life, and Musgrave whispered to her that, if she minded her hits, she would be sure of the pretty boy, for so he, the cornet, was termed by his captain. Intelligence so conveyed would have disgusted and offended a young woman of delicacy, but Belle Thorold was too eager for conquest, and too resolutely bent on securing a man of fortune, to feel or to resent the freedom of this address from Musgrave, to whose praises of her she knew much of the attention of Bettinson was owing. Mr. and Mrs. Cranfield and Vavasour soon after arrived, and Celestina saw with surprise the pains Miss Thorold took at once to attract the notice of Vavasour, and increase the admiration of Bettinson. She had never before seen her in the company of young unmarried men of fortune, and now observed with concern how totally she defeated her own purpose. She threw herself into numberless attitudes which she fancied becoming, applied her hand incessantly to rectify a curl, or adjust her necklace, by which she thought to display its beauty, as well as that of her hair, and her throat, which she had been taught to fancy eminently handsome. She whispered about nothing, laughed at some joke which nobody understood but herself and Musgrave, then affected to be angry at something he said to her, then talked to him by signs across the table, and by way of being charming, was rude and childish but this sort of behaviour she had seen practised by some very fashionable young women. It was perfectly adapted to the level of Bettinson's capacity, and she had not judgment enough to see that it must offend any man who had either good sense or good breeding. Vavasour, who in the presence of Celestina would have seen perfect beauty or extraordinary merit with indifference, took no other notice of Arabella than just served him to remark to Celestina that she was one of the most conceited and pert girls he had ever seen. This served, as they walked after tea in the garden, to introduce the discourse she wished to hold with him, but it was extremely difficult to escape a moment from the vigilant assiduity of Montague Thorold. "'Pray,' said she to Babasaur, "'pray be more guarded. Her brother will hear you.' "'And that brother,' said he, somewhat abruptly, "'you seem very much afraid of offending, "'though he seems to me to be a puppy. "'How can you let him prate to you as he does?' "'Indeed,' replied Celestina, "'you would not dislike him if you knew him, "'and it is amazing to me that you, "'who are really so good-humoured, "'should take such dislikes to people "'before you can possibly know them.' "'And when I do know them, "'I often dislike them more.' Why now, in this family, who is there but the father that has any understanding? And he has too much of the priest about him. 
but here comes your high-flying oxonian surely it is hard not to have a moment with you though i want to talk to you about willoughby i will speak to mr montague said she and tell him so she then stepped back a few paces and meeting montague thorold who was approaching to join them she told him that mr vavasor had something to communicate to her on behalf of their mutual friend willoughby and that she should esteem herself obliged to him if he would prevent their being interrupted for a few moments montague with a melancholy and submissive look laid his hand on his heart and said one word from you is enough to him who lives but to obey you he then went back to the rest of the party casting a wistful look after celestina who turning into another walk with vavasour said eagerly well and now what have you to say to me from willoughby have you heard from him no replied vavasour i could not well do that since yesterday nor do i indeed expect it for some time to come but do you know mr mornay that i consider myself as willoughby's representative as a sort of guardian to you and am going in that character to talk to you very seriously well cried celestina conscious that her own conduct was irreproachable my sage guardian and reverend monitor begin then with your remonstrance or exhortation whichever it is to be you must give me leave to be serious on this occasion answered he most willingly replied celestina interrupting him and the more so because i never remember in all our former conversations to have had one serious discourse with you and i long to see how you acquit yourself i don't like the people you are with said he and wish you were anywhere else i wish i were anywhere else myself yet i like the family and believe them to be very good sort of people come come celestina you cannot be ignorant of what i mean captain thorold as i told you yesterday is that dangerous and hateful character a male coquette he never coquettes with me i assure you said she for i never give him an opportunity no because at present his brother has the advantage of him if you do not coquette with the military man at least you listen to the scholar and it may be he is the most dangerous of the two it is the general idea of the country that he is in love with you that the general idea of the country cried celestina how can the country possibly know anything about him or about me my dear friend interrupted vavasour you cannot be ignorant that in these places the people could not exist if their curiosity did not keep their idleness from total stagnation they will talk and let them about one another but i won't have them talk of you who are of another order of beings in short i am jealous of you for my friend and don't like to hear that lord castlenorth has paid off all willoughby's encumbrances and that he has procured him the reversion of his titles to engage him to break off his connection with you which it is said he formed before he came of age and therefore thought himself obliged to fulfil celestina cried with great emotion dear sir but how false and foolish is all this it is so resumed vavasour 
and what follows is equally or more so yet it is i find generally believed and what is it why that willoughby having scruples about suddenly leaving you and leaving you in comparative indigence lord castlenorth has given you five thousand pounds which with what was before left you by mrs willoughby and the promise of a very considerable living in the gift of the castle norths to a clergyman if you marry one have rendered you a desirable object in mr thorold's eyes as a wife for his youngest son whom finally you have accepted of and are to be married to very soon as miss fitzhaman has insisted upon this before she gives her hand to her cousin which is also to happen very soon in italy miss fitzhaman said celestina turning pale and pray my good vavasour where have you learned this legend in london replied he i collected enough to make me uneasy about your situation i picked up more since i came down to cranfield's for his wife is a gossip of the first pretensions and as to the fitzhaman part of the story their going abroad so soon after willoughby has i take it for granted confirmed it in the opinion of everybody are they gone abroad then said celestina so say the newspapers and i fancy rightly he then took one from his pocket and read this paragraph dover april twenty sixth seventeen blank yesterday lord and lady castlenorth and their daughter the honourable miss fitzhaman with a great retinue sailed from hence on their way to the south of europe celestina was silent a moment for not all her faith on the unchangeable affections of her lover could guard her from a momentary shock recovering herself however she said they may be and i suppose are gone but certainly certainly mr willoughby had no share in their going you surely do not think he had as we know some part great part of what you have heard to be utterly false and unfounded why may it not all be so certainly you do not believe any of it pardon me answered vavasour i believe that this young man this montague thorold is what they call in love with you for the rest i know some of it is false and i believe the greatest part of it is so gracious heaven you have doubts then vavasour doubts whether willoughby but it is impossible you can doubt it you know he is all honour generosity integrity and goodness i know i always thought so or i should not have loved him better than any man breathing but don't let me alarm you i cannot doubt when i recollect all i ever knew of my friend yet i very honestly tell you that the mystery he made to me of his reasons for going abroad the gloomy reveries in which i so often saw him his evident struggles with himself and a thousand odd circumstances which struck me when we were last together upon my soul celestina i know not what to think and should deceive you were i to tell you that i have no doubts yet they arise rather from my mistrust of human nature in general than my opinion of george as an individual but when i look at you and remember that he was within one day of calling you his 
i cannot upon any common principles account for his conduct and am sure that no common motives can justify it celestina whose heart sunk within her while he could not deny the justice of this remark sighed deeply but remained silent and vavasor went on be his motives however what they may it is certainly your determination to await the event of this mysterious journey it is certainly said she faintly well then is there not any more eligible situation for you than one where you are the subject of such reports as i have just repeated to you suppose if it be only for supposition's sake that they were to reach willoughby if he still loves you if repeated celestina good heaven you believe then that it admits of a question i did not mean to hurt you but my dear celestina there is nothing so insecure as our affections i am afraid and you must recollect too many instances of their change to suppose it quite impossible that well i will interrupt you no more if then if willoughby still loves me he will suffer extremely from such a report and should though i allow it to be very improbable should any changes have happened your apparent approbation of montague thorold will justify that caprice which nothing else can justify ah oh, vavasor said celestina in faltering accents i see i too evidently see that you believe your friend is lost to me for ever and that all you have now said is merely to prepare me for a blow which if it fell on me suddenly would you think destroy me but believe me vavasor believe me suspense such as i have long endured such as i at this moment endure is i think more insupportable than any certainty could be unless it were the certainty that willoughby is more miserable than i am that i think i could not bear but for the rest however i might suffer in my pride or in my love i trust that my mind would in time be reconciled to whatever is inevitable and perhaps continued she struggling with the violent emotion she felt perhaps that very pride might assist me to cure the anguish of disappointed and improperly indulged affection but yet it is surely impossible willoughby can have acted as these suspicions in regard to miss fitzhaman would make me imagine and still write as he writes to me however vavasor i again entreat you if you know more than i do to conceal nothing from me through misplaced and needless tenderness you know me very little answered vavasor or you would know how little concealment and dissimulation are in my nature my dear mr mornay i have faithfully related to you all i know of our friend and even my half-formed doubts i have not attempted to conceal from you be now equally ingenuous with me and tell me whether you think your present situation is either the most pleasant or the most eligible you could possibly choose it is not pleasant answered celestina because i am not mistress of my time but it is eligible surely because willoughby himself in some measure placed me in it and it is to his wishes i am to attend 
while he is yet interested about me and not to the vague and unfounded reports of people who care nothing whether i am happy or miserable so long as they have something to talk of but reflect a moment whether willoughby when he mentioned his desire of your continuing here was aware that captain thorold would therefore remain at home all the summer or that montague thorold would choose to make you the object of his romantic passion and the subject of his poetical panegyric you cannot but know that he does both and were you wilfully blind to it his behaviour to-day would have sufficiently convinced me celestina could not deny his extreme particularity in company and his private declarations were less equivocal without however acknowledging either to vavasour she said in general that for many reasons she should not be displeased to change her residence if she knew whither to go vavasour then began to lament that he had no mother no sister of whose friendly reception of her he could be assured but added he my dear mr mornay give me a day or two and some proper place will perhaps occur to me or rather to an excellent female friend whom i will apply to in the meantime i will see cathcart as i propose to ride over to alverston to-morrow and we will talk the business over together he then took her hand and in a manner more tender and less lively than was usual with him asked her if she would pardon him for anything he might have said to give her pain celestina assured him she could not forgive because she had never been offended but that she must ever be greatly obliged to him for the friendly part he had taken and then fearing that some invidious remarks might be made by the company they had left if they were any longer absent she desired vavasour to rejoin them while she went for a few moments to her own room to recover from the still apparent emotion which she had been thrown into from what had passed she had hardly however time to breathe before she saw montague thorold walking anxiously on the lawn before her windows looking towards them as if he knew she was returned to her apartment and almost immediately afterwards mr cranfield's carriage drove up to the door to take them home celestina now therefore composing herself as well as she was able hastened down to the company who except montague and vavasour were hardly conscious of her rejoining them mr cranfield being busied in giving to the elder mr thorold a long detail of a cause that had been lately decided at the sessions in which he had a principal share mrs thorold and mrs cranfield engaged in settling the affairs of the neighbourhood and comparing notes on the frequency of mr langley the curate's visits to mrs poole the widow of a rich farmer a matter in which these good ladies were mightily interested while miss thorold was violently flirting with bettinson and the other two military men walking together were talking over their former adventures and musgrave laughing at captain thorold for being thrown out as he termed it by his brother with celestina what the devil said he do you bury yourself alive in this manner for if montague is to supplant you faith my dear edmund tis so much against the honour of us all that if you don't make more progress i shall try what i can do myself don't you see that her attachment to willoughby is all stuff 
and that she throws out her lure for this vavasour if you like her what a cursed fool you must be to let her slip through your fingers as to liking replied captain thorold you don't suppose i intend to commit matrimony the girl is handsome and has more sense than most of them and therefore tis more worth a man's while to make a fool of her there i perfectly agree with you for though if i were condemned by any devilish mischance to marry i should dread nothing so much as one of your sensible women yet it is glorious to see how a little foolish flattery can set the sense of the shrewdest of them at naught but by the way edmund how did you get off with that business in ireland which for i had so much business upon my hands that i don't know what you mean why between you and miss o'brien was there not an impertinent brother or oh ay poor fanny o'brien twas the old story fanny was very pretty and faith i was very fond of being with them all for there were three others all sweet little dears their mother a good sort of widow was a little upon the qui vive when she heard i had a fortune and so forth and somehow or other i lived a good deal at the house and talked nonsense to the girls in my way you know till this miss fanny took it into her head to fancy herself in love with me and to suppose i had told her that i was so with her though if i did upon my soul twas only by implication i dangled to be sure and dined and danced with her but i meant nothing and was obliged at last to tell her mother so who very plainly signified to me one evening after i had passed the day with them that it was time to understand me well i gave her to understand then as civilly as i could though for faith they were a good sort of family that i had no thoughts of marrying and the good gentlewoman waxed wroth about it and told me i had done a very unhandsome thing in winning her daughter's affections i could only lament they were so easily won and return them undamaged by me something i said however gave mrs o'brien offence and she desired to see me no more a prohibition which i of course did not attempt to disobey and some other pretty girl falling in my way faith i thought no more of my poor fanny till being one night at an assembly at dublin i saw a great bustle soon after my entrance and was told that miss o'brien had fainted away upon seeing me and was gone home extremely ill twas no fault of mine you know that the girl was so simply susceptible but her brother a fierce young sailor who came a day or two afterwards from his ship thought otherwise and talking to me rather cavalierly we agreed that the matter must be settled in the phoenix park by a brace of pistols un beau jour we accordingly met there and exchanged each a couple of shot with all possible politeness in which it was my fortune to lodge a bullet in the flesh of his left arm which was immediately extracted i heard there was no danger and as he was of course satisfied i came off to england the next day having taken my passage some time before your folks here at home never heard of the hazard you ran no i believe not my father is a little too apt to lecture and preach on such occasions and so tis as well sunk i believe and since i've been in england faith i've had no inclination to amuse myself in the same way 
nor indeed any opportunity except with this celestial beauty and she don't seem to take to me the greater will be the glory replied musgrave i own i should like of all things were i thee to drive out a solemn settled sentimental affection from such a heart as hers and jockey thy brother montague here the gentlemen were interrupted by the departure of mr and mrs cranfield and vavasour after which musgrave and bettinson took leave themselves having first received a general invitation from mrs thorold and her daughter who though by no means pleased to observe that vavasour entirely occupied celestina had beheld and heard her with frigid indifference was yet much consoled by being almost certain that she had secured the heart of the little cornet she judged very right musgrave to whose care the father of bettinson had recommended him had purposely introduced him to arabella thorold under the idea of detaching him from two milliners to both of whom he had been making very serious love ever since his residence at exeter and the elder mr bettinson was so desirous of saving him from a connection of that kind which he was thus likely to form that he no sooner heard of his growing partiality to miss thorold than he besought captain musgrave by every possible means to encourage it declaring that fortune alone was no object to him and that he should consider himself happy if his son was fixed in his choice of the daughter of so worthy and respectable a man as mr thorold End of chapter seven